Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So, do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. So as you probably know by now, we've partnered with Pigs. Eric, has the joy, the aura, the glow at all diminished around you since we partnered with Pigs? Does it feel normal yet? I uh, have uh, renamed one of my kids Pigs. Uh, I've used that joke several times. I think I have to retire it. But it is an honor to be powered by Pigs. Do you like that? It says powered by on the on the front page. I think it's perfect. It was the first suggestion you spit out and 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 yes, and you know, at any opportunity to debate you, I do. But, but there's you, no debating powered by Pigs. Who's your hysterics? Powered by Pigs. Oh. Pigs. Oh. I don't know about the uh afterwards. <laughs> I don't know why it got adult. It got it's, real weird. It's not adult. It's just an emphasis like, yeah. yeah. Feels good. Yeah. Feels good. Look, we couldn't be more excited that Pigs has given us the stamp of approval. We are part of the Pigs family. As far as I'm concerned, our best friends in the world now are Jeff Ravjohns, Mike Pegram, Drew Davis, Ken Bickoff, and Brian Snow. Those are our friends. Besties. Those are BFFs forever. Pigs, BFFs forever. With that said, let's get on with the podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of Hoosier Nation, it's that time we have a special guest, a very special guest. Eric, would you like to tell our listeners about our special guest? I would be happy to. <laughs> Joining us today is a former Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana, a player who led his high school team to the state 4A championship. Undefeated. Yes. The Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Indiana. A career 44.2% three-point shooter while at Indiana University. An academic third-team All-American at Indiana. And maybe most importantly, a man who saw the lowest of the lows at Indiana and helped lead us to close to the highest of highs in a uh, season in his senior year where we were ranked number one throughout the majority of the season, a Big Ten championship, and a Sweet 16 appearance, please welcome Jordan Hulls. <laughs> no, I, that's quite the uh, the entrance. Yeah, I appreciate that introduction. That's, that's very nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, all we need is like theme music. It'll be like a WWE entrance. We need, uh, oh. what, would you, what would your theme entrance music song be? Oh my gosh! It's got to be oh, theme and oh my gosh, that's a tough question. Um, it's got to be uh, 
put on for my city. That was one of the songs I came out uh, to during Hoosier Stereo by uh, Young Jeezy. Nice. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but Young it, Jeezy. I thought it was pretty pretty fitting uh, for me being from uh, Bloomington myself. But, yeah, and I think that, um, I think when people think of Jordan Hulls, they think of Young Jeezy. That's what you think I, of. I thought I think you're probably correct about that. <laughs> I mean, that we're very similar. <laughs> so now, now we should maybe we should have said at the top of this Guten Morgen, wie geht's, mein Freund? Are you in Germany? Is that true? Uh, oh wow, yeah, that, that's pretty good German. Yeah. <laughs> my, well, my mom was born and raised in Mannheim, but we we need to know what it's like in Germany now. My father was born. Oh in Germany. wow! Oh really? Well, yes, you've got a German connection here. That, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's crazy how small uh, the world really is when you're connecting with other people, you know. Um, but Germany, I am in Germany. This is my third year uh, playing overseas in Germany in the top league over here. Um, I'm currently in Würzburg, the the city of Würzburg, home of Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, um, so yeah. he's the yeah he's the legend around all of Germany, obviously, but uh, for sure in this town. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, we really love it here. Me, I, my, my wife's with me, my son, Jackson, who just turned two yesterday. Congratulations. Um, and thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, uh, baby number two could be here in two weeks, so oh, three wow. weeks, five weeks. Wait. So, so there, yeah, we're, there is a chance that the baby could come while we're doing this podcast. There's a chance. <laughs> I, I technically, yes. Yeah. But just if that us- happens... I'd hate to leave the podcast, but I think I'd have to... Uh... Just keep us on there. Yeah, you just don't... speakerphone. Yeah, speakerphone. Don't feel like you have to pay us attention. We just want to be in the room. Yeah. I've, I've been through three of them. Ward's been through two. We'll help you through it, man. We'll get there. Yeah, that, I, I need... Yeah, because unfortunately, I missed my uh, the birth of my son, Jackson, because they were in the States, and I was in Germany playing, and he came two months early, so I, I was not able to book that flight uh, yeah. um, quick enough, but... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to experience this, and I've been able to experience the whole husband of the wife who's pregnant and wants uh, crazy stuff. So it's been a fun. Lots fun, of bratwurst. Not last nine months. Yeah, lots of brats. <laughs> lots of a lot of brats for sure. And um, good for me. She she's really craved pancakes, and she's a good cook. So homemade pancakes quite often. So I'm not too upset about that. Wait a minute. She craves the pancakes. She's pregnant. She's cooking the pancakes. What's going on there? You no, 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 no. I help. I help with the pancakes, okay. but you know, I'm not the best of cooks. Um, <laughs> so at the end of the day, she's like, "All right, I'll just take over. I got it." I'm like, "All right, you got it, babe. At least I tried. At least I tried." All but, right, uh, I'm doing what I can. Before we get too far into the uh, your professional career, which we want to start off with, <laughs> I do need to ask: Can we call you Jordy? Of course, yes. yes. But what's fun? Yeah, no, no problem at all with that. It's funny because even people that I've never met, um, like personally or just ever, they always everybody thinks my name is Jordy, and I've never ever introduced myself that way. But somehow, some way, it always ends up, and I have no problem. I've been called that my whole life, and um, so it's it's perfectly fine. It is. It is just one of the great kind of built-in nicknames for a regular <laughs> name. I mean, like, my name's Eric. There is no nickname for that. I used to, <laughs> yeah, people used to call me dumbass, but that doesn't seem like a good nickname. <laughs> oh, as Yeah, a, that's that's not the nicest. As, as a ward, you'll probably end up calling me Wade at some point. Everybody does. Uh, our next-door neighbor, she's old, she gave me an envelope yesterday that said Ward Roberts on it, and she go and she wrote on it, she goes, here you go, Wade. Sorry, I accidentally opened it. Like, yeah, I can't wait. I would take Jordy in a heartbeat. Yeah, I, 
I, I'm not, I'm not too upset about it. it it's, it's stuck with me and, um, yeah, it's not, if you guys want to call me that, go right ahead. All right. No so Jordy, Jordy. Uh, do us a favor <laughs> and talk us through uh, the team that you're on now, how the season's going and kind of, I was excited to talk to you for a myriad of reasons, but not the least of which is there is so much professional basketball being played throughout the world that I think when mm-hmm. you're a fan in the United States, like we are in so many, you kind of are conditioned that it's the NBA or nothing. And and clearly, especially over the last, I would say, 10 to 15 years, that is so not the case as you, as you know, uh, global basketball has really taken taken off. Can you walk us through and give us a sense of the international basketball scene and specifically where you're at right now? For sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been very fortunate. This is my sixth season, which is really hard to believe, but I've been able to play and get, you know, make money playing the game that I love and grew up playing my whole life. So it's, I'm very blessed in that way, and it's it's been an awesome journey playing and start out in Poland, and I made my way through Kosovo and then I made my way to Belgium, then I'm Germany two years, and this now my third year in Germany. And it, it, it's pretty fascinating. Like you said, it, I'd say about 10, 15 years ago, it, it definitely was not well known, um, probably to people who are stateside, that the leagues over here are very, there's very, very good basketball players uh, over here. Um, even the the guys who are the European guys who you're playing against over here, I mean, they, they have a lot of the same opportunities that we have uh, when we're back in the States working out, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. The system's different. You know, they have clubs over here. We have our high school sports and um, those kind of things. But uh, the, this, the basketball atmosphere has definitely gained huge steam over here um, as far as even since I've been here, I feel like in the different cities that you go to as well. Um, you can see where there's more passionate fans here or there. But soccer is always going to be king. Um, over here, no matter where you go, that's just the way it is. But basketball is definitely picking up, and it helps when you have guys like Dirk Nowitzki and now Luka Doncic, who's over in the NBA, guys like that who are great European players at first and then make their way to the NBA. Um, that really helps build that uh, basketball mindset over here as well. So it's been pretty cool to experience that. Uh, obviously, I come from a unique situation, being from Indiana, where everyone's basketball crazy, and that's all we know. That's all we grew up learning about. Um, playing at a young age uh, I tell people they always ask me when did you start playing basketball I was like yeah when I was four you know three or four years old I had a ball in my hands all the time blah 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 they just think that that's a, absurd like they do that with soccer but not, nothing like with basketball but it's getting bigger and bigger and it's uh it's it's pretty cool opportunity for me and my family to experience that and uh, obviously basketball has been my whole life and uh it's taken me all over the world so it, it, it's it's pretty special well, let's go back to your childhood. Your father came from Army with Coach Knight and was his shooting coach. My what? grandfather, yes, my oh, grandfather. Oh, your grandfather was. Okay. Yeah, um, my grandfather, yeah. Uh, my dad's dad. Your dad's dad. Okay, is that is that how the holes got in Bloomington to begin with? Yeah, so like you said, my grandfather, they have the same name, so I, I see how that always people uh, think it's my father as well, but um my grandfather was with coach Knight in army they actually grew up together in ohio um you know that's kind of cool story and uh, up through the the playing ranks and then started coaching together uh they were at west point made their way to bloomington in the 70s and he was the uh my grandpa was the freshman coach uh, when john laskowski was there uh in the 70s and then um he didn't stay more than maybe a year or two uh, got a different job, but 
um, yeah, that's, that's how my family came to Bloomington and, um, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of crazy. Your grandfather was literally homies with coach Knight. <laughs> I, I guess if, if he has homies, um, uh, <laughs> if he calls them homies, then yes, yes. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, I would love to hear coach, uh, coach Knight say, yeah, that's my homie over there. That'd, that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. So growing up in the state of Indiana, did you uh, were you regaled with stories of Coach Knight? Was the the legacy and history of Indiana University basketball meaningful to you growing up? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think for every every kid who uh, I mean, maybe I was a little bit more unique just because of that. But uh, you're a diehard basketball fan, and especially when Coach Knight was there, and guys like AJ Guyton, Michael Lewis. Those are guys I grew up watching play, and you know we we go to my uh, my mother's uh, father. Uh, we go to his house, and every IU game, watch the the basketball game on his big screen downstairs or whatever. Um, so it's always a thing that it's been in my in my life, you know, since I was a little kid, and um, something I've always appreciated and understood and knew what the traditions were, and you know all those kind of things that maybe. Yeah, there's tons of basketball players from Indiana, but I kind of knew just the ins and outs, I guess, just from that connection with uh, the coaching world. Did you ever meet Coach Knight? I actually have never, ever met Coach Knight. He did our game when my senior year when we uh, played in uh, Brooklyn. He commentated on our Georgia game. Um, but I didn't, I, I would, I wanted to meet up and, you know, obviously meet him one of these days, but it just has never happened. And, uh, I've, I've received a, a letter uh, because of that connection, obviously, with my grandpa and my grandmother, but never officially met him in person. So with your grandfather being a shooting coach, and, and, I, and I'd read maybe this is incorrect too, but your father, that the two of them were instructing you. Oh, is that is it, Jackson? It is Jack. Hey, buddy. Hi. Hold on. You going to go eat dinner with mama? Where's mama? Okay. She's out here. Can yeah, you, thank jo you, Jordy. Is it is it possible that uh, Jackson shoots the three better than the majority of the players we have on the team this year? <laughs> uh, he he hasn't made his way out to the three point line yet, but we have made it to about five feet. We'll with, take uh, it. Good good bent knees and a good follow through at the age of two. Yeah, we'll, we'll take <laughs> but, it. But that's so, that's by Hull's design, right? Because that, that was one of the things I, I saw that, that your, I don't know if it was your dad or granddad, wouldn't let you shoot threes until you were like in seventh grade. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I, was, I was not very strong. I'm still not strong at all. Um, but I when I got serious about shooting around third grade, I really was focused on my form, wanted to be perfect. I'm a kind of a perfectionist and you know, every time I try to move out to the three point line, I just had to, you know, kind of chuck it up there. My dad's like, all right, well, if you're going to do that, then we're just not, we're done, blah, blah, blah. R and I was like, all right, I can't, I can't shoot threes. I got to keep my form good. So I never did it until I was in seventh grade. Real quick. What are you shooting from three this year in Germany? Ah, uh, from three this year, I think I'm at 47%. I mean, um, I mean, just, it makes me want to cry. But the last, yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's a down year for me as of right now. The last two years, I was able to shoot like 50, 51 wow. uh, throughout the year, but hopefully I can get it back up. But I mean, yeah, back, it's, back I mean, like, I mean, 47% <laughs> is insane, dude. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> That's well, that, 
like I said, I'm a perfectionist, so I'm always striving to be better than the previous year or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm not complaining one yeah. bit. All right. So but, ba- sorry, I had to just go on this. When, whenever I hear about three point percentages being high, it just makes me have like convulsions about the the team this year. So I have to just uh, well, let's get back on track. And and you can incorporate. Well, oh, you can incorporate into the discussion of what it was like growing up in a basketball family with your sister Kayla as well, right? What 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 was yes. what, what what were evenings in the driveway like for the whole family? Or may, maybe you would go to the uh, um, the gym. Yeah, we. Me and my younger sister, for sure, uh, we were competitive. We we knocked heads. We didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things. But one thing that we did have in common was the the hard work ethic, and um, you know she could shoot with the best. I still to this day, I bet any team that I've been on, she would probably be one of the top three or four shooters, no matter where I've been, just because she was that good. Uh, the, what's funny though is our shooting styles were a little bit different. She's different build than I am. She's a lot stronger than I was, um, you know, with the, the women's basketball and stuff like that, but different players altogether. Um, but, you know, with footwork and those kind of things, they're a little bit different, but she was, she's one of the better shooters that I've, I've been around and it's too bad that she didn't get to showcase all their skills in, in at IU or anything like that. It was terrible for her, but, um, definitely we had our battles and she went through the same things that I did with my dad, button hands with our dad, um, <laughs> was he pretty tough on you? We're both. Oh yeah, yeah. We're we're both perfectionists. Me, and my, sister, and then obviously when you have someone trying to tell you what to do and you're you think you're doing it right, but of course when you're ten years old or twelve years old, you think you know everything anyway. Um, and looking back, it it definitely made us tougher mentally. Um, you know, working with him and you know, he's all he. I played when I played for my dad. He was always harder on me than anybody else, which is what it's supposed to be like when you're the coach's son, I think. But he, he was also good at um, pulling me aside after games or, or whatever, explaining to me, this is the right play. This is why I'm harder on you. He, he expected a lot out of me. And I think that's what really made me the player I am today is just because gave me that chip on my shoulder that, you know, I, I did put in the work, but, um, you know, I always wanted to prove myself as well. So and Kayla was the same way. So following the timeline of your life, you're working on your craft at a very early age. And when you're about 10 years old, over in uh, not too far across town at, at Assembly Hall, Coach Knight is fired in, in obviously a very unceremonious way and mm-hmm. caused huge controversy. You're a fan of Indiana at this point. You talked about following A.J. Guyton and liking those players. Do you remember that time in your life and, and what was running through your head when you watched all that kind of shake out? I think I think I was still too young to – I mean, obviously I loved Indiana basketball, but when that stuff went down, like, I don't – like, in my mind right now, I don't even recall, of course, we were all sad that, you know, oh, no, Coach Knight is leaving. Like, that at my age, with my young head, that's all I could think about. Oh, Coach Knight is leaving. Like, what's going to happen? Of course, I'll still love Indiana basketball, but – we have that connection and um, just that's how I, that's how my dad coached as well, as far as like fundamentals, motion offense, that kind of stuff. So I was always drawn to that kind of thing. And even coach K cause coach K played for um, uh, night at at West point. And that's when my grandfather was there as well. And uh, even his motion offense kind of stuff. So I kind of fell in love with more of schemes and stuff like that. But, uh, when that all went down, I don't really recall being like super upset or anything like that. I was kind of just focused on 
whatever 10 year olds are focused on you, I guess. you, you didn't go to the uh to the campus and burn miles brandon effigy that wasn't you nah i i was not part of that i wasn't really a pyro uh as a young kid either but um yeah i i the the most vivid memory i have uh, as an iu fan as a young kid is when we made it to the final four with, uh, another former Bloomington guy, uh, Jared Jeffries. So I do remember that when that, all that went down. But as far as when that whole Coach Knight leaving and was there transition something, period, I don't really remember. Was there was there something watching Jared and that team make that run? Did you ever say to yourself, "I want to be the next Bloomington kid to do that"? Um, at that, what that was two thousand two, so I'd have been twelve. I mean. Uh, my my aspirations were always, oh, I want to be a professional basketball player. So, of course, that went through my mind. I'd love to play for, you know, Indiana. But, you know, I was never the tallest. Like, what – at that age, I I was like, yeah, I'm going to the NBA. No problem. Easy. And then and as I <laughs> sure. got older, I, I, I saw you got to be a little bit taller. You got to be stronger. You got to do this and that. So, that made me work even harder, uh, of course. But um, just to play at that level, to play for my home hometown school is always a dream of mine. Uh, but then as I got older and no interest was coming and those kind of things, I was like, well, I just want to play division one basketball. So that, that's how my mindset, of course, I, I thought I could always play at that level. Uh, I just had to make the most of whatever opportunity I had. That's kind of how I took it. So let's get into that. You're at Bloomington South, uh, great coach, great history of the program. At what point does it go from being a dream to play high level basketball to you realizing Oh, now it's now it's serious. Now I've got to actually start thinking about schools, and and really start plotting out my future. Right, exactly. I mean, even as a freshman, I, I played JV. I dressed for varsity. I didn't. I didn't play varsity. Maybe like some garbage minutes at the end. Chuck up a few threes. Get the crowd happy. Whatever. That was kind of my my role. The little guy coming off the bench um, at the end of games. But as a as a sophomore on, I started uh, games and um, was pretty successful and. I still, even with the success I had uh, and on the high school floor with South, uh, we I, I was on a really, really good AAU team, a bunch of guys who had been together together, been together for a while, uh, with the likes of like Mason Plumlee, Bobby Capriano, DJ Bird, Colt Ryan. We out of I think by the end of it, almost or every player that we had except one, uh, David Blackwell ended up being a walk on at football at IU. Um, and was my high school teammate. Everybody else went D1. So it, it didn't really become real to me until my junior uh, my junior year. I had a, a tournament in Pittsburgh, and you know I had a really, really good tournament in front of a bunch of college coaches, but they were all coming to watch my teammates. So for me, I was sending out tapes um, before all this stuff was happening, just trying to get somebody to you know take, take a chance on me because um, I knew I, I could outwork anybody. I was putting in the work in the gym and all this kind of stuff, but – I just needed to get the opportunity, and fortunately enough, you know, God put the places in peace for uh, in, in place for me um, with the teammates that I had. You know, Mason Plumlee going to Duke, Bobby going to IU, DJ going to Purdue. So that all the college coaches came to watch them, and then eventually saw me play. And you know, the rest was history. I started getting offers from a lot of different uh, different places, and you know, the stories out there when Coach Crean and all that kind of stuff uh, finally went down for me, and that that was pretty. Uh, easy choice for me to stay home, I think, but um, a lot of things went into that as well. Well, let's. I want to take a step back there because as you're coming into your own in high school and AAU, the head coach of Indiana University at the time is someone we don't name very often on this podcast, mm-hmm. but we will for this. Yeah. I, I think we should call him the, the arsonist. 
the arsonist because yeah. he set the program afire. fire. He burned it all down. Burned it down, right. And, and so the ashes That's pretty, are... Yeah. All right, we'll call him well, that. You like that, Jordy? <laughs> that works for you? Yeah, that, that works. Yeah, that works. Okay. So my question is, does the arsonist or anyone on the arsonist's team ever reach out to you? Um, you know, I got some letters as I, as I started getting some more hype, I guess, uh, just throughout the town. And, you know, I'm 10 minutes from the campus, so it's a little harder to to uh, just dismiss me, I guess. But, you know, a few things here and there. I went to the camps, um, did that kind of stuff. But no real interest as far as, like, going to offer me a scholarship or uh, – I, I just don't know if my style of play really fit um, that the makeup of that team anyway, but – uh, there, I don't, I don't feel like I ever would have gotten that scholarship offer to be honest with you, if that ever would have, would have came about. But, um, for me, I, I was going to choose, like when it came down to it, I was going to choose a school that was best fit for the way I played and what I could bring to the table. And I wasn't just going to stay home just to stay home either. You know, I want to do what was best for me. Of course, staying home would be, be awesome. Um, but I was also going to do what was best for me in my career, but at that point, when, when all that stuff, I wasn't getting any interest and, you know, I was looking elsewhere and just really anywhere that would take me. Cause like I said, it didn't happen until pretty late in uh, my junior year, uh, my AAU season, I guess. And then, uh, yeah. So that, from that, it, not, not a whole lot of interest. I, I have to ask if the arsonist was the head coach and made you a scholarship offer, would you have taken it? I do not believe so. And is that because just because you think your style wouldn't fit or because of the stories and what you knew of what was happening, let's say, in the midst of the blaze that yeah. was going on did at Assembly Hall? Did you feel like you weren't doing enough drugs to fit in there? <laughs> <laughs> I was <laughs> – well, to be honest with you, I'm, I, when it all came out and you know everybody who was part of that left the program, that's when I knew, but – as it was happening, I had no idea. Like, I'm, I guess I was naive to the fact that, you know, things were going on that weren't supposed to be going on. Um, but like I said, I didn't have that much um, interest from them anyway. So I wouldn't have known any different, like, if it was, everything was, you know, ship shape. But um, I do not believe that I would have done that, just more so for the style of play. And I don't, I, I don't know if – I, would, I wouldn't want to get a offer just because I'm the kid that's living down the street who happens to be a pretty good basketball player, and they feel like they have to offer me to make Indiana fans happy to keep an in-state kid. You know, right, I, sure, I don't sure. know if that would I don't know if that would have been the case, but that's I I feel like I would have had that feeling in my gut, and that would have just ate me up inside eventually. Um, so because I felt I, like I was worthy to play at a high level, so like why would I? You know, yeah. Right. So hypotheticals aside. You you guys went sixty six and seven in high school. You finished with a perfect season. You win the state championship. You guys are a team as number three in the the country. You're Mister Basketball, and then you decide to go to IU, and that is a team that didn't do very well. And even <laughs> even going into your freshman year, there had to be pretty low expectations about what you guys could do. What is it like to go from such incredible success, like literally not knowing what losing is for over a yeah. calendar year to yeah. walking into that situation? Especially because at the time, I remember when Crean got the commitment from you and then was able to talk about you, he kept saying things like, he's a winner. Jordy's a winner. Everywhere he's gone, he's won. We want winners in this program. 
Well, the winner was about to step mm-hmm. into a whole lot of losing. <laughs> Man, I it, I don't know if I can put into words how difficult as far as the losing, just the losing aspect, not even talking about how hard the workouts and all that stuff was, just the losing part and how mentally draining it was. It was the one, it was the hardest thing I think that I've, I've done uh, basketball wise that, you know, going through those two years, it, I knew when I committed, obviously I'm, I'm staying home. Uh, I'm, I'm going to school 10 minutes from the house that I grew up in. Uh, all my friends and family are going to be able to come watch me play games. Like this is the dream. What else could I ask for? Uh, you know, this is awesome. And then, you know, we, I knew we had a great recruiting class as well. You got Mo, Derek, Christian, um, we had Bawa, Maniru, who nobody probably even yeah. knows who that is. Oh, I remember but, him well. Uh, the le- big boy. Yeah. <laughs> definitely fit into the long litany of Tom Crean big men who never seemed to yes. pan out. Uh, yeah, unfor- great. One of the great, greatest human beings. But it didn't work out. But my point is that we had a really – I think we were, were we top five recruiting class, I think, that year, our, our class was. But as freshmen, you know – we don't know any different as far as, you know, we're at the top cream of the crop right now in high school. But when you get to that next level, you know, you're, you're back on the, the lowest part of the totem pole. So it's, it was very difficult to make that transition as far as the hard work. We were all going to work hard. That was never the issue. Were we able to get, where we going to be able to as freshmen in the big 10 playing tough schedule, were we going to be able to make an impact that way? Obviously, the the losses didn't come, or the wins didn't come. The losses definitely came. The wins did not come, but I think when we pay, we we did those all those things the first two years, all the losses, the close games, fighting back from twenty down, end up losing the game anyway, like all this stuff. Uh, I think that prepared the guys who end up staying there the whole four years um, for those last two years, where we were one of the better teams, or one of the if not the best team in the country for most of the year. You know. It, a lot of things went into that. To take a, a half step back, I want to talk about your commitment for a second. Tom Crean was hired on April 1st, 2008. You committed on May 20th, 2008, not even two months later. We, we oftentimes mm-hmm. hear about how important the relationship is in recruitment, that these coaches, many of them are developing relationship with kids in eighth grade and then building those relationships with families and the kids mm-hmm. specifically, and that that's how you have to grind out a commitment. Clearly, situations didn't allow for that in this one. My question for you is, when did you first meet Coach Crean and how quickly after he got hired and what was it that made the decision very easy for you to commit to Indiana? Well, I go back to that, that tournament that I had in Pittsburgh where I played really well. Um, that's where I met – or I, Coach Buckley saw me. That's where he saw me, and that was the guy who really recruited me hard. And, you know, he goes back to Coach Crean and says, oh, you got to look at this guy. Because they hadn't – like you said, they hadn't been <laughs> in Bloomington far too long. And um, – you know, he saw me play, and there you gotta look at this kid that lives literally ten minutes down the street. So then they, whatever they watch film, they they come to some more AAU tournaments, blah blah blah. But it really didn't take me that long, just because the relationship I was able to have with, and then eventually Coach Green when I ever got to meet him, um, because what they were telling me, I I was all about winning, and I was all about getting better, and I was the hard work. And then they compared me to Travis Diener, which was a guy. Uh, that I knew watched uh, watched when I grew up as well. Uh, when you get compared to a guy like that, uh, he's actually coached. 
um, and you see a lot of the similarities, and you see that you're going to run a lot of pick and rolls, which I really enjoyed playing. I thought I was pretty good at uh, making passes out of that, coming off and shooting, whatever it was. Um, just the style of play, I really thought that, for me personally, it couldn't have gotten any better um, to do to, to, to further my career at Indiana because of those things. And then um, I think it was the best decision of my life just as from a standpoint as yeah, the first two years were absolutely miserable, but uh, I learned a lot of different things uh, that I could take on with me. But um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of weird just thinking back about it, but coach Green really, you know, he laid it all out there for me and I, I believed in him and he believed in me and I, I wanted to make an impact as soon as I got to campus. And that was something that I knew I was going to be able to do with the guys that they had returning or lack thereof. Um, you know, with only two scholarships the the year or two players from the roster the year before for his first year and his second year would be my class. Um, so I wanted to make an impact and be able to turn a program around. And if I was able to do that as a hometown kid, you know, that'll be you know, go down in history in one of the most uh, richest traditions in all of basketball. So that uh, that was something that really drew me in. And obviously, growing up with that is something I I wanted to be part of. Now, aside from the losing, you. You did leave home, even if it was just 10 minutes away, and now you're a, a student at Indiana University. And we always like to to ask the guys, what do you what did you love about being an IU student away from basketball? Uh, Where did you like to go eat? What what were your favorite classes? What are some of your fond memories of being an IU student? Oh man, it's I think just the overall atmosphere of the campus, just the vibe you get if you're walking to and from classes. Uh, it's a beautiful campus, one of the most beautiful campuses in the uh, in the country. No, the you know, a lot the of people, most beautiful, the the, the, the most, most beautiful. beautiful in the world. Yeah, <laughs> in, in the, the world, in the, in, the world. in the history of the world, <laughs> in the history of the world. I I thought I might have sounded a little biased, so I didn't want to say no, it, no, but no. you said it. Yeah, we're not um, biased. We're objective. <laughs> we just it's just facts, I guess. Right. <laughs> um, um, it, I think that this whole thing because. Even though I grew up in Bloomington my whole life, when you live in Bloomington, you don't experience the downtown, obviously, like you do when you're a college student. So, like, well, growing up, we'd go down to eat, uh, go downtown to eat, and maybe that was it. Maybe you walk through, like, the campus, but even then, I did, I maybe walked through campus, like, two times my whole life before I was a student, um, just because that was nothing I really did, and I was, well, let's just go shoot hoops or play baseball or whatever, Um so that once I got to campus, I really got to got to see how awesome it, it really was and what all they had to offer. Um, so that, my favorite part is just the whole, just the the vibe from the campus, uh, going to and from classes. I think, and obviously you're gonna have um, meet lifelong friends there and my teammates or, or like my brothers, but other people you meet through class or or you know going out and having a good time, whatever it is. Uh, I think just the the camaraderie and you can just feel the the energy from a lot of people just going around the campus. I think. All right, so quick lightning round here. Favorite pizza in Bloomington? <laughs> Mother Bears. Yes. Okay. No, 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 no. Uh, oh, uh, oh, what? No, I said that quick. I have to. It has to be Mother Bears. But I'm I'm a big Pizza X fan too. Oh yeah, yeah the yeah, Big yeah. Ten special. Pizza Did X. they have that when you yeah. were there? Yeah. 
because it was pizza. Oh, yeah. It was Pizza Express when we were there. Yes, and then it evolved to Pizza X, right? But they still had the Big Ten special. It's yeah, it's the same. Yeah, it's the same, and it's like, and you can even get breadstick, like two bags of breadsticks and two cokes for like five bucks. Yes, like I, I will tell you. And then mother. Yeah. No, go ahead. Mother Bears. Go ahead. And then Mother Bears is just Mother Bears. You can't really beat it. So those are my two for sure. I, I'm a 41-year-old man with three kids living in Los Angeles. When <laughs> I go into my pantry, my cabinets to get a cup, it's a Pizza Express cup that I'm using. That is not a joke. Oh, I've kept my them. gosh. It is. I have like 10 of them. What I have are the stolen. That's dad goals. <laughs> I, I have the stolen <laughs> Nick's, uh, Nick's glasses. All right. Oh, okay. Okay. Favorite bar. Favorite bar? Uh, uh, um, Nick's. Nice. There you go. Uh, worst class you took? Oh, my gosh. Worst class I took? Yep. Um, what was the class I got the worst grade in? Let's, let's see What here. was it, like an A minus? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I, I, I do like chemistry, but the chemistry, I'd say chemistry. Got that was it. like just the labs are six hours long. Oh my god, yeah. No. Hey, you finished with a three point nine four in high school. How'd you end up in college? You keep that up? <laughs> uh, I don't know what my final uh, GPA ended up being. Oh, you mean your GP? You mean you. your GPA is a high end Division one athlete? Wasn't that important? Is that what you're telling us? <laughs> it made you an all. Uh, it made wow. you an all American. No way. <laughs> no way. No, I did finish it in three years though, and then started my master's. So I. I um what was your master's in what did you start your what did you start your master's in uh it was sports administration um which is the same one that uh derek did elston and tom pritchard uh because a lot of us guys stayed in the summertime anyway so we're able to do classes and finish early vic did it cody did it uh i don't know when i was there was b-dub threes and then it became buffalo wild wings but it was always between when i was there bw threes and buffaloes did, were you a wing guy? Do you have a wing preference? Oh my gosh, Buffalo is no question. Yes, uh, that is the right answer. What style? See Buffalo. Uh, what style? I, I'm a I'm a traditional, um, traditional with medium. So I don't need anything special. But the, I like their chicken Louie as well. Yes. Um, yeah, and uh, see when I was growing up, Buffalo is actually on Seventeenth Street where. Um, uh what's over there now i don't even know what's over no, there that's now. that's where it was when we went there mm-hmm. yeah yeah so that's that's where i grew up going to buffaloes and when they moved to the gables downtown uh the owner ed schwartzman and his wife jamie they're they're awesome people and uh that's definitely every anytime i get a visitor i always take them to buffaloes and then village deli for breakfast Ooh. oh i was gonna ask you favorite breakfast so you go village deli uh, huh? sorry my bad my bad no no yeah, that's see, good i have my uh, my aunt and uncle are actually the owners of the Village Jelly, so Whoa. it is yes, it is quite amazing. I, it is th- those pancakes, the size of like a, the moon, are unbelievable. Yes, I mean you can't really go wrong. The packs and potatoes, you can get cinnamon roll pancakes now. You can get a whole bunch of stuff. I mean it, it's amazing. You can't go wrong with the Village Jelly. Love it. Uh, so let's uh, let's jump into the sophomore year, and uh, we we have to talk about them, him specifically. These couple of guys show up: Will Sheehy, uh, and then this other guy, uh, Victor Oladipo. When when maybe it was then, maybe it was later. When did when did you kind of say to yourself, "Man, Victor, Victor's gonna be like really good." Man, it you know when we got those two guys, they brought a different. Um, 
not a different mind. It was the same mindset that we had there, but it was like you could tell these freshmen like they they want to they came here to compete. They came here to to work, and you knew what you were going to get out of them. Will is just going to tell you straight to your face. Um, he's kind of just cutthroat. You love like he's one of my favorite people in the world just because of that. He's a great person and obviously a, a great competitor. And then Vic. He's, you know, he, he lights every, every room that he goes in. He's like the, the center of attention. He, he's going to have a good time. He's, he's one of the best human beings that you ever meet. And I think when, um, you know, Will's having a great uh, professional career as well. But when you talk to uh, talk about Vic, the summer going into what it would be my junior, so his sophomore year, um, because when he got to IU, I think it was a, a big adjustment for him, you know, of course, he's stupid athletic. He he's gonna block shots. He's gonna play great defense. He's gonna do this and that. But he couldn't shoot a lick. The the guy could not shoot at all. Nor and could nor I, could I, he I, dribble. I mean, no, being honest, or dribble. Yeah, right. he could not no, do he, the skill part of basketball. No, I mean, of course, he could do like the simple stuff, and he's fast enough to get by somebody every once in a while, and he's gonna do a crazy dunk or make a great play. Uh, but once he was able to tighten his handle and get a consistent jump shot you know he's so quick that his jump shot doesn't have to be super quick um as far as getting off because if guys run out on he's just going to go blow by him and get a, a layup or create for something else but also when he's able to stay more under control you know he loves that everybody knows his crazy spin move once he was able to like i don't know i don't know how to explain it but he was able to control his body and tighten his handles and get a shot once you saw that Going into my junior year, he was in the gym, you know, two or three times a day, just working on his handle, getting shots up, because he knew after his freshman year, he, he saw where his, his weaknesses were, um, or they got even more exposed that say, I'm sure he knew he had to work on his shit. He knew he had to work on all that stuff, but I think it really um, got got to him, and it showed him that, you know, if you really want to play the next level, because he had the body, he had the athleticism, he had all this, uh, this is what he was going to have to do, and he, he put in all the work, and you know, he was the reason that we surprised everybody my junior year. Nobody thought we were going to, what did we start, 14? And yeah. I think we 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 started off ridiculously good, and uh, we surprised everybody. We shocked the world. Nobody thought, we thought, everybody thought we had one more year. The following year will be good. But no, I think him and Will brought that, and uh, everybody else obviously got better as well, but uh, that was huge for us. I, I want to take a step back to your sophomore year because in doing some research for this, I found something interesting. I'm a big believer in the Ken Palm rankings. I like looking mm. at the Ken Palm stats. When okay. the, the year before you got there, so Crean's first year at Indiana, Indiana finished the year ranked 209th in Ken Palm. There's about 350 schools in Division One, So let's just say that's not good. Your, <laughs> your freshman year was some improvement. We moved up to 194th. T- top okay. 200 Good. baby top 200 but love that <laughs> but but here is what's really this staggered me when i looked at it because i think all of us as fans thought okay we got to give cream two years but year three we've got to start seeing something here and the truth is that his third year which was your sophomore year the record did not indicate real growth but mm-hmm. in the ken palm rankings we went from 194th year freshman year to 82nd your sophomore year I mean, that is a massive oh, wow. jump. And like I said, it didn't come across in the uh, in the wins and losses when you just look at it in the cold light of day. But there were moments in that year 
that do show some growth. And I want to talk specifically about the Illinois game when you finally beat a ranked team at Assembly Hall. But I'm curious mm-hmm. from your perspective, did you think you've now got Christian Watford there for a year, you've been there for a year, you're starting to grow, you've brought in these uh, freshmen with some athleticism. Did you feel like the team was better your sophomore year than the record indicated, or were you still just depressed about the losses? Well, it goes about the losses were definitely not easy, you know, mentally draining because you go in every day and we practice so hard. We, we game plan. We're doing everything we can to, to just win basketball games. And you go into these things and you're just like, what, what's going on? Why are we losing? We're doing everything right. You know, play here, play here. And that's just how good the Big Ten really is. It goes to show. But, um, yeah, it, it, was, it was really tough for us. And I think as a team we were definitely better because – you know, we like you said, we had one more year with with the guys who were sophomores that year. We brought in these freshmen who were going to help us, and um, we were definitely better because even though we were losing every practice, you know, we we tried to keep a positive mindset. As hard as that, as hard as that was, and like you like we touched on earlier, I was not used to losing, so all this losing was just like eating at me. And I was like trying to talk to my dad, trying to talk to former coaches, like you know, what do I got to do to get these guys in the gym, to get these guys, you know, crowd up so we can get some freaking, <laughs> win some freaking basketball games. And I think it eventually, like you, like you, know, you want to talk about the Illinois game, that was a huge game for us. And um, it, it, that was kind of a, a sign of, a sigh of relief, but also, uh, you know, seeing our hard work pay off and stuff like that, but it still wasn't, what we wanted to see in the win-loss come I think that's why our junior year, you know, we were just finally really sick of losing and then adding, you know, a pretty good player in Cody the following <laughs> year is, is pretty good. But, yeah, the sophomore year for sure was, I feel like, because we were in games, you know, we go to Michigan State and we have them on the ropes. If we hit, I, I believe we hit two free throws, uh, I think Rivers maybe, uh, or something like that. We could have won. The, I, don't, I don't know. I, I'm not saying that's why we lost the game, but, uh, <laughs> uh, that, you know, something like that. You know, we were in games. We weren't just getting blown out. And I think that was kind of – hopefully that's what fans saw as a player. You know, I don't know what you guys saw from that point of view. You know, you could see that we're fighting. We were always going to play hard. Um, but I felt like we were actually in games. It wasn't just like, oh, they brought it back because they're down 20 and their team gave up and you cut it to 10. You know, I I felt like we were actually competing even though we weren't winning. So you guys beat ranked Illinois first ranked win in the Crean era. Crean goes out into the lobby, goes nuts with the crowd. We all love it. You almost, you almost win that Michigan state game. Wait, wait, didn't we all love it? Did we all love it? Yes, I did. Uh, oh I no! You, you, now you don't. No, no, no! I didn't at the time. No, I well, hmm. I didn't. I we don't have was... any records. Why, to why is that? This. Why is that? Well, I loved that we won. Don't get me wrong, and I did see as a fan that the team was better. But I think one of the frustrating things for me in Coach Crean's era at Indiana was the over-the-top celebration on things that should have been more steps along the the path instead of like destinations and they felt like right. he made them destinations and I never liked that and we're going to get into a big one uh your your uh your senior year but we don't let, need to get there let, yet. let's this is okay. this though the light is starting to break through the clouds you beat Illinois almost get it with Michigan State and then I think the moment where we all really felt the program turned around February 22nd Minnesota comes to town and you eyewitness 
the greatest dunk in the history of basketball <laughs> when Tom Pritchard <laughs> takes I think Tom Pritchard was just a little bit outside the three-point line <laughs> when he jumped. Two-handed put-back slam. Take us No, through. not two-handed. One-handed. Oh, I thought he, he had caught two it with that. two hands and Ca- then put it in his left. Finish, yeah, oh, okay. with one. Yeah. Well, it's, he, he put some stank on it. That that much greater. Take us. Can you take us through that moment? I think you were on the bench. How, how, did you see it, or were you turned the other way? <laughs> did time slow down? Did a vortex open up in an assembly hall oh, ceiling? Yeah. <laughs> What's crazy is that Tom was. I don't know if people even realize Tom was like a really good athlete. Like he was very bouncy. Um, so we had like seen Tom get these kind of dunks and stuff, but when he did that in the game, I think if you go back and watch the clip, what we always make fun of him for is like, he does, he does the dunk and then he sprints, like does his two step, you know, sprint ahead to get back on defense. And then he like instantly stops and starts screaming <laughs> when he, <laughs> he should have screamed like five seconds earlier, but he, he goes down, like just screams down the court. That was probably the uh, a moment I will never forget just looking back at that clip. But during the game, I, I mean, it's all blurs me, and I can't even remember what I was doing at that point. But I know that was a huge game for us, obviously, seeing Tom Pritchard get a nasty put-back dunk. But um, the way that we played that game, I think I think we did like a like a little trick defense. We did like a triangle and two, try to take away uh, Hoff Arbor and uh, some other, obviously, uh, some other good players there. But we did like a, a trick defense that worked for us for a little bit and then mixed it up. But that was a huge, huge one for us. So we have to take a pause here to ask you, you talked about playing with Vic and when you realized this kid is special. You, you've touched on Cody, and we're going to get to him in a minute. We just talked about the great Tom Pritchard. But I can't imagine that any uh, of these experiences playing with these great players comes close to the experience of playing with one Tijon Job. <laughs> Tijon. Oh, my goodness, man. That, he... Have you guys ever met Tijon in person? No, like I actually talked to him or anything like that. No, I one of my life's great regrets. Yeah, you haven't had that pleasure. Um, he is one of the nicest human beings ever, and to play with a guy who you can get hurt in practice just by him standing somewhere is it's kind of frightening, but it's also intimidating to the opponents. I I remember we were playing at Purdue. And he, him and Balwell were on the court at the same time. I'm pretty sure he put Patrick Beatty in a chokehold during a box out. <laughs> and then this next play down, he, he hits him with his elbow in the throat and then manages to poke Balwell in the eye in the same play. I don't know if you guys can ever find that clip, but if you find that. We will look that, for it and send it to you. It, it's quite the treat, but playing with a guy like that, he, he worked his butt off. Like he did everything he was supposed to do. You know, like, you can't teach that, that monstrosity of a body, but, um, do, you know, do it, you remember, it was quite a pleasure to meet him. I remember when I saw him at the top of a one, three, one half court pressure zone. <laughs> and I just remember thinking, well, well, clearly the world is ending. I mean, oh if, if this guy is playing the top of his own, Coach Crean has lost his mind, and I just need to stop watching basketball. Do you, oh, my goodness. When, when that was put in in practice, I assume it was put in practice before we saw it in a game. Did you think it was nuts? Well, I mean, a little bit, but we what else we what else could we do? We, we were already losing every game, so why not put the guy who is very intimidating at the top of the 1-3-1? Uh, granted, all you have to do is just take two or three dribbles and you're around him. But 
maybe he'll he'll knock you knock you out or something um, before you do that. But it it was we were trying everything, man. It was um, it, it was a difficult time for us, as you can see. Well, and and so after that Minnesota game, the wheels kind of come off again, and it's another disappointing end to a disappointing season. <clears throat> at that point, are you, are you, oh God, this is awful. Is it ever going to end? Or did you know the cavalry was on its way? You know, take us into leading into your junior season and Cody coming in. How, how, how did, how was the mental outlook yeah, of I the mean, team? Yeah, of course, you know, we're, we're all thinking like, you know, like what, what do we got to do? Are we ever going to turn that corner? Are we ever going to do this? But I think, um, you know, with the coaching stuff that we had and the guys that, you know, we were a pretty close knit group. And I think that's uh, one of the reasons why we ended up being so good is that we went through all those losses and we were just sick, sick of losing it basically is what it came down to. And we had guys who, who were willing to put in the work in the off season on our own. And uh, we were able to come together that way. And it really helped us uh, get over that hump. And when you, when Cody signed, uh, obviously I was huge for Hoosier nation and for the team and everything, not only bringing a great basketball player, a good person who's to come in and do his work and, you know, you could rely on, on a guy like that. So that, that obviously turned, and then you start getting other big recruits, you know, the following year, um, you get Yogi and that whole, that whole class. And the, um, the movement, are you referring to the yeah, movement? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We told them that that stuff's not going to fly here. So you can throw that, you can throw that out the window once well, you get on campus. Well, guess what? Uh, it, it didn't fly there. It didn't fly it, at all. Unfortunately did not work out. Um, but that's a whole nother story but well we'll get, uh, we'll get to it but i have to ask about the cody thing because this goes to the what we were just kind of touching on with the illinois game and the, the big celebration afterwards I, i'm sorry if i'm misremembering this so please correct me jordy if i'm wrong here but i seem to remember after cody committed that coach Crean held a press conference either the next day or a couple days later where the team he had like the team lined up behind him basically celebrating the Cody commitment. I think they turned it into like his first time where he could talk about the class coming in, which included Austin. Oh, and, and like Ren a real, ch a real change and stuff like that. Yes. And it, okay. It, well, I just remember him. I remember him in front of a microphone saying the reason, basically the reason we got Cody and we was crediting the whole team, like the, because this is the family that, that created an atmosphere that Cody wanted to come to. And it just felt like, I, I, it struck me as odd when that happened. I don't know if you have any memory of that. I honestly do not. Like okay. I'm trying, I'm really trying to dig deep here and remember that. I just, I know we saw, was it on TV? Like that commit was it? Well, no, Co I don't remember if Cody's commitment was on TV, but the Tom press or at least on ESPN covered. or something like that. It might. Okay. Been, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I just remember we were all pumped when, cause I, I've known the Zeller family cause I played with Tyler growing up. He, we were AU teammates for, a little bit. So I've known the Zeller fans. So to get Cody, obviously we were all like static as players, but I do, I don't really remember this uh, press conference, okay. but I, we probably, we probably had some crazy workout that we had to do and we were too tired to remember it anyway. So, <laughs> so you start eight and zero, but you hadn't really played anybody yet. Junior year, junior year. Mm -hmm. And then this, this Kentucky team comes in They're Number one in the country. Did you guys have a feeling in the locker room before that game that this was going to be, a special game or was it business as usual? Um, I think we were a pretty driven group and a smart group as far as, you know, we came in to practice every day, like 
took it one day at a time. I think we said that a million times, one day at a time type of thing. To, if you ask uh, Rab Johns, uh, my my favorite answer is always one day at a time. But uh, <laughs> we were really we. But honestly, we were really good at that, and we we took everything in stride. And like I said, we were sick of losing. So once we got that taste of winning a little bit, and like you know, all our hard work's paying off, and we're starting to click here and there, and uh, we didn't want to let that go. So I think we thought we could win any any game that we played in. Um, you know, obviously that was a tall task for us beating that that Kentucky team, but we had a great game great great game plan. Uh, which is something that Coach Crean was always really good at, you know, preparing us and uh, him and the staff uh, really did a good job of getting us ready for every matchup that we had, no matter if it was Kentucky or if we're playing a, a, a school that nobody's ever heard of, you know, we, it was always uh, approached the same way. Do, um, do us a favor, yeah, do us a favor if you can, take us into the weeds a little bit there, because we often hear players and coaches talk about the game plan. And yet as a fan that doesn't have the most educated eye when watching basketball, you still see the same offense, you know, the same sets or similar sets that you've seen in the past. Can you, do you remember back to that Kentucky game specifically and what was something that was part of the game plan that coach instilled that did make a difference? Can you remember anything? For sure. Um, Yeah, going into the game plan, obviously you have tendencies of all the players. Uh, You know, Marcus Teague likes to do this move or, you know, he likes to go right more often than not, that's keeping them in front, blah, 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 those kind of things. But one of the big things for us, their guards are so quick, right? So Marcus Teague, I'm not the fastest guy. He's probably going to go by me two or three times. Um, let's make sure that we do not commit to him so he can just throw it up and Anthony Davis dunks it. So if you watch a bunch of the clips that um, Kentucky had that year or before they played us or whatever, um, Davis barely had to shoot any shots outside of the paint because they're all alley-oops or – you know, post moves, two dribbles, dunks. So we want to make sure we took the lobs away and make the guards fit, finish over the bigs, um, that kind of thing. And that really helped us because if I'm remembering correctly, he didn't have a great game and neither did um, Terrence Jones, who only goes left. Uh, and we made sure to make him go right. So it sounds simple, but it's little things like that that really go a long way for us. So in that game, you go for 11 points, five assists, three of six three-point shooting, four steals, You've done all that work to to help us, you know, build a lead, then battle back, then it's nip and tuck. And then you're the first person, Jordy, that we have talked to on this podcast that was there for the shot. So please take us. Yes, take us. Just take us through it. What what happened before the missed free throw? Just tell us as much as you remember about those moments. Well, I knew. I don't know if you saw me in the corner over there. I thought I was pretty open and see why it was pretty selfish and Verdell didn't see me. But uh, no, no, I was definitely uh, not part of that play. I was a decoy in the corner, which I just really just stood there and waited to see if the shot went in or not. But um, yeah, what, what's great about, uh, like I said, about the coaching staff as far as getting us prepared, we, we practice a lot of situations and those situations whether it's under two seconds four seconds um how many seconds were what were in that uh, the, after the free throw that was probably i want to say what, like, five, like maybe seven and a half something like five that? yeah seven yeah seven eight seconds i think so we had like situations for all these different things and we were able to drop the play that we wanted and we wanted to get christian he was a great trail three uh three point shooter and you know, we thought maybe they were going to foul because we um, 
They wanted know. to. Cal wanted them yeah, to. Yeah, they, they wanted they wanted to, right? So uh, they weren't able to get to that. But all I remember is, you know, they're in the full court. Verdell uh, brings it up. Cody sets a screen, and I, I think it, maybe Cody might have even been in the wrong spot, if, if I'm remembering correctly. And they, they're not fouling in the backcourt. They don't get the foul that they want. We're able to dribble down, still no foul for some reason. And Siwat's pretty wide open for his shot. I mean, Verdell did a great job drawing defenders and pitching it back. But after hitting the shot, I, you know, I think everybody pretty much is blacked out. You know, everything. Uh, I'm pretty claustrophobic. So when I go over there, I'm like jumping up and down. And I'm like, oh, Siwat, you got to get up, man. Like, I'm, I'm not having you die right now on this court after that, you know, this kind of thing. And I was not about to get in the dog pile, although that would have been awesome. But um, <laughs> jumping up and down, that that was, uh, you know, one of the best memories or the best memory probably of, you know, of my playing career, just having, being part of something like that and such a signature win that we like we were talking about um, that really put us on the map. By, uh, by the way, you know, it's a, 5.6 seconds were on the clock. 5.6. So, yeah, even better. I have to ask even you just a couple specific things. Mm-hmm. One of the very few people that was on the team for all of the the really low points, the, the first three years, and then getting to where you got with that shot in that game was Verdell. Verdell was mm-hmm. one of, you know, on Crean's first team. And I think Verdell's career at Indiana gets a little bit overlooked because of how much losing happened the first three years and because he was part of kind of a, you know, not ballyhooed recruiting class. He was kind of thrown into the mix at the last minute when coach had to put the team together. But mm-hmm. I was so happy, I remember as a fan for Verdell, that he was part of that play, that he made that heads-up play, that he didn't force something. And it was a great pass, and he set up Christian perfectly. Um I'm just curious, like, do you have any any uh, stories about Verdell as a teammate and, and kind of what he went through in his four years there? Yeah, I, I think you, you, you hit it right on the point there. It It, it is tough because his first three years, like him, Matt, uh, Danny, Tom, like those guys, they went through all those three years. And we were so happy, obviously, as a team, but for those guys as well that you know, their senior year, we were able to have a really, really good year. Corey Barnett, one of the walk-ons, um, you know, we had a bunch of guys that we put in, like you said, some of the darkest times. And uh, to be able to, you know, have a great senior year for them, uh, that was huge for us. But touching on Verdell, like it, it, um, yeah, he, he was a, re- <laughs> it was, he was a really hard guy for me to guard in practice. I can just say that it's, you know, he's six five, can get to the rim. I'm not six five and can't jump and can't do a lot of different things, but uh, you know Verdell, he he was a great player, um, played with a lot of passion. You know, he you know he he's someone you get in a fight with in practice, and then after you know all of us, you know, we were pretty competitive, and you know, getting in fights in practice or whatever. Um, and then after the after practice is over, then it's done. You know, that's just how it is. But uh, he he was a fierce competitor, hate to lose that kind of thing, and. Um, I, I'm glad you said something like that because I've I've never really thought about that because I, I obviously I was a player I didn't I didn't you know I just never thought about that but when you say when I heard you say that I, I think that's pretty true that a lot of those guys and especially Verdell because he played a lot of minutes um, you know it gets overlooked with you know what they did for the program as well not just uh, you know the classes that followed. So, so that I'm sorry ahead. yeah so you go through now and you you've beaten the number one team in the country. 
and then you beat the number two team in the country in Ohio State. You take out Michigan, who's ranked. Uh, you're now you're in the top ten, right? You're in the top ten. Later in the season, you're going to beat Michigan State, who's number five, uh, and be the only team since the '75 '76 undefeated team to beat three top five teams in the country in one season. You came to bring Indiana back. You arrived at the depths, and here you guys are playing and beating the top five, three of the top five teams in the country. Did you ever have that point where you were like, yeah, this is it. We're doing it. This is what I came here for. For sure. I mean, I can't recall like um, an exact day or exact moment, but I think, you know, we were so focused on what we were doing that, you know, all right, yep. They're coming to our place. We don't lose at home. This this is the next win for us. That's kind of our mindset, and I think that just uh, carry over until the final game of the season. And looking back after the season was over, you know, we're like, all right, we've made it. Like we're, and that made us even hungrier. You know, um, there was no defining day or defining moment uh, for me as far as that goes. But I could definitely feel like the all right. This is what I came here for. This is this is exactly you know what I wanted to be part of. Um, growing up watching Indiana basketball my whole life, I wanted to be part of the tradition. And yeah, the first two years were <laughs> some of the worst years of my life, but uh, these next two can be some of the best. And that's exactly what happened for me. And um, so I think that year was you know pivotal for us as a, as a team. And, you know, when we lose to Kentucky, we played them the best uh, out of any team in the country, I think that year um, beating them. And then, you know, in the sweet 16, even, you know, we had our chance, but, Michael K. Gilchrist decided to hit jump shots for the first time ever, and they had, you know, 32 free throws or something ridiculous. Yeah, there were some uh, bad calls think, on Cody. You know, that was a huge year for us. Uh, by the way, in that tournament game, you went for yeah. 12 points, nine assists, three rebounds. I mean, you you were playing at such a high level, You're... and and the bench really. You guys played there, or I'm sorry, you guys played their starting five to a standstill, but their bench ended up being the difference in that. Yeah, I mean, and they were a great team, obviously. I'm not uh, as bad as I want to knock Kentucky and, you know, whatever. But you can knock obviously them. We like that. Yeah, yeah. I, it, I, it's hard for me to talk about. but Well, but, I, I mean, you guys uh, were playing a professional basketball team, right? That's not yeah, fair. Yeah, essentially, <laughs> essentially, yeah. But, um, you know, we did our part. And, uh, you know, it, it takes a, quite a bit of luck as – even if we're going to talk about my senior year too, yes, uh, it takes a little bit of it. Talk, it, talk, it takes a little bit of luck to make it through the tournament. You know, you got to everything's got to be clicking. The other team, you know, it's March Madness for a reason, and um, you know, some things happen, some things don't. And uh, but that that year for us, uh, just to get back to your point, is it was very big for us, and we knew that. I don't want to say that we knew we had made it because, like I said, we were still hungry for more. So we knew that. Uh, we don't want to feel this feeling again, and now we know that that's exactly what we felt as losing in the Sweet 16 again. But, um, but yeah, we, we uh, only wanted to get better from there, and I, I think we did. Well, you, let's just put a pin in the uh, junior year. You shoot 49.3% from the three-point line your junior year. I mean, every time you took a shot, every time you took a three, it, we knew as fans it was going in. I mean, it just it, it, when it didn't go in, it was like, well— something you know that well now he's going to make seven in a row it's just that's, <laughs> that's how much confidence you instilled in the uh, fan base so now let's get to your senior well, year. i appreciate that yeah <laughs> eric i think you should tell jordy your your nickname for the movement 
Oh, my nickname for the movement is the bowel movement. <laughs> you know, not, I mean, they were, they were all all great guys, and it just didn't work out. But that, I mean, before they got to campus, and we heard that they had like this movement, whatever this thing that they were called, and we, you know, as upperclassmen and guys who, you know, they're not even in college yet. Like, what what is it? It it, it was it did not go, it didn't last long. I say that, but they came in uh and we're ready to work from the get-go and none of that stuff really got to us but uh or came once they were on campus but that whole we we did not like that as yeah as guys uh well, on, I, on the team already before we before we get to your senior year i actually want to throw out a stat to you that i bet you 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 are unaware of because i was unaware of this until i looked at it in your four years starting with your recruiting class through the movement, the bowel movement recruiting class, which came in your senior year, there were 17 players that committed to play at Indiana University of those four recruiting classes. Only seven stayed with the program. And I'm not counting guys that left for the wow. NBA early. I'm not counting Cody leaving. I'm not counting Vic leaving. I'm just talking about transfers or guys that never even got there, like a Ron Patterson, who was part of that movement. Seven only right. in that four-year stretch, only seven of 17. I may be off by a player or two, but only seven of 17. I'm curious, you were on this unbelievable trajectory, really starting with you know the, the sophomore to junior year. It, it felt like, and as fans, it felt like everything is cooking. We're getting Indiana kids. We've got Jordy. We've got Cody. Yogi. We, Yogi. Like, things are really moving in the right direction. Yet the truth was there was a tremendous amount of turmoil and turnover in the in the roster. Did you feel any of that even as you were progressing from your junior and senior years? Did any of that matter to you at the time? Um, I, I mean, mattered. Of course, like there were some of my like Bobby Capianco. I'd known him since eighth grade. You know, um, we were AU teammates, and we came to IU together. Um, and that, I mean, we were friends. But it, at that point. It just wasn't – I wanted what was best for him. And if, you know, if he felt the need that he needed to leave or he wanted to leave or whatever the case was, whatever ended up happening, I, I, I honestly don't know. Uh, I just if – that if that's what he felt was best, then, you know, good for him. And, um, you know, he's, he's a great dude. I wish him well. And uh, But, I, like, for me at least, I, don't, I, I can't speak for other guys, but for me, um, it was unfortunate. These are my friends. It's happened, but I treated, maybe this is just bad, but I treated it like a job, like this, I, I'm here to go to school, get good grades and play basketball and, you know, become a better basketball player and be the best leader, be the best teammate, um, you know, be coachable, all those kind of things. And that's kind of how I treated it. I don't know if that made me numb to, to certain things. And maybe that's a, a, a negative thing on my part, looking back at it. But um, it's not like I, I just screw those guys. I'm glad they're gone. That was never my thought process. But what I'm saying is that it didn't affect me and it didn't affect how I viewed like, oh, this is really going to hurt the success of our team right now. Um, Got it. Or like where we, where we want to go. So, uh, so in going into your senior year, uh, you've, you, you guys are, are largely considered the number one team in the country. You've got heralded freshmen, including Yogi. You've got what's going to end up being three future NBA players on that roster, and you are elected captain. What 
what does it take? Because we hear a lot about this even currently with IU about how important leadership is or a lack of leadership. What what was it about you? What if you were trying to coach up a kid right now to be a leader? How, how do you how do you put yourself in the position to lead a group of men that are considered the best in the country at what they're doing? And and it's it's you they turn to. Yeah, I think that's a uh, it's a loaded question. You know, it's I for me. Um, yes, I was a point guard. Um, I was a senior. I had been through the, all the ups and downs. I was able to do this or that, whatever. Uh, but for me, I, I never felt like I had to lead alone. You know, um, in the beginning, I led by example. You know, I was in the gym every day. I was getting more shops up. Uh, so people would see that eventually want to follow. And that and uh, that eventually worked. You know, Victor was in the gym every day. Will was in the gym every day. Uh, you know, all these guys start following. And then eventually it's our whole team staying for the whole summer and we're getting better together you know i think that those kind of things just um are really what set us apart but for me as a leader i think if i'm telling somebody um one of the bigger things for me is to well, if there's a great book out there um lead for god's sake and it's, it's leading with the heart um and that's something that i was able to do i feel like guys knew that I was giving it my all. And if I can hold you accountable, you need to hold me accountable as well. And I think account accountability with your teammates. And if it's a player led team, as opposed to a coaching led team, because the players are the ones out there, you know, making the plays and all those kind of things. Right. So I felt like we had a bunch of guys who knew what it took and bought into what we needed to do. But, and it, it, they made my job a lot easier just because, you know, if I said something, they knew I meant it. And, that's what we needed to do. If I had to kick somebody out of summer training because they weren't giving their all or they were, you know, making everybody else having to do extra spins because they weren't prepared to do the practice or do the sit-ups or whatever the heck it was, uh, you know, that's what I was going to do. And I think that that resonated with the whole group and we were able to all be leaders at the end of the day. Because now you look at Vic, he's helping leading a, you know, NBA organi organization now. He's like, doing all those things. And, uh, you know, Yogi, he's in the NBA now. He's a point guard in the NBA. Cody, he's a vet. All these dudes are playing. And, you know, Derek's on the coaching staff. He's on the coaching staff now. So it's, I think all those things were, were huge pieces. And uh, just touching on Derek, he he was a huge part, even though I feel it was terrible for him because he was injured most of his career, didn't really get a shot um, just because he was hurt. Uh, but he was huge for us with all those kind of things off the court. So he's one of those, those leaders off the court as well in the locker room, keeping things light, um, those kind of things. And uh, I think as a group, I, I was very fortunate. I, I was, I'm honored to be looked at as the captain of that team and uh, that, that kind of thing. But, you know, those guys made my job a lot easier too. So senior year, you guys are just smoking teams. I mean, you are, you're beating North Carolina by 24. You're beating Purdue by 37, which just felt so good. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this just really felt like everything is coming together. You're, you're shooting yeah. about 49% from outside the arc, I mean, leading the conference. You are crushing it. You're going to win. It seems like we're going to win the Big Ten. We then lose to Ohio State to kind of cut to the, the end here because there's some stuff yeah. to talk about. We lose senior day to Ohio State, and the decision is made to cut down the nets. Can you walk us through, did, did 
it, it became a big deal for fans in the aftermath mm -hmm. there. Was it a big deal? Did did anybody even hesitate on the team, or did it feel like we earned this because of the last four years, three years for some, two for others? This is this is fine. Or did anybody on the team think this is a little strange? Uh, yeah, I mean, for me as a competitor, like if I lose a game, like why the heck am I cutting down nets? Like I didn't. Of course. From from your other point, like we did feel like we we earned that. We knew, you know, that's all right. We were definitely Big Ten champs, but whether we shared or not, like whatever. Um, but any true competitor, I think, is going to tell you, like, I, I I don't know. For me, like I I I did not care for it that much. Uh, obviously, it's great to cut the nets in front of your home crowd, but like you said, if the fans felt a little indifferent about it as well, like did it really accomplish the what we wanted it to accomplish, but you know, it happened. Of course, as players, we're not going to be like, hell no, we're not, we're not going to go out and cut right. the nets. Like what, what are we going to do? Um, maybe, we, maybe we did feel like we owed it to the fans just to show our appreciation. But at the end of the day, I think most people understood like, well, you lost the game. Maybe you didn't have to do that. I don't, I don't know. I'm, what? I was not a fan of it, to be honest. Well, okay. and beyond just that game, obviously it had been a real magical season there. We are on top of the mountain for a good chunk of it, always in the top five. But but you guys lost three out of your last six games. Was there mm -hmm. a sense within the team that something was amiss? Or, or was it like, ah, oh, we stumbled a little bit here, but it's going to be fine going into the tournament? Yeah, I, I don't recall like thinking of anything specific like – um, you know, like this is obviously you don't want to lose or just go three of three of six out of your last games and heading into the March, <laughs> March madness. It's not a, a good uh, vibe you want going, but it's, uh, I don't remember anything, uh, specifically, uh, I'm trying to really think about it, but no, that's um, fair. Well, let's, while, yeah, you, I, while you think about that, let's talk about the last game of the regular season after the loss to Ohio state, you then go on mm -hmm. the road to play a top, I think at that time they were ranked sixth, but they spent much of the year in the top five, also Michigan team. And in one of the great classic Big Ten games and, and Indiana games of all time, you pull out this incredible victory to win the Big Ten outright and pretty much secure the number one seed in the tournament. Can you take mm -hmm. us to that game and what that felt like to win I mean, this is you winning the Big Ten championship. You're a senior. You've been there four years. You came to Indiana to win championships. You just won the first Big Ten championship in a long time. How'd that feel? Yeah, it was an amazing feeling. I think, uh, you know, not only the players and the coaches, but all the families, everybody who has been there the last four years, everybody connected to the program, even the, obviously the fans too. You know, it was a huge I don't want to say sigh of relief, but maybe that is the only way to describe it. It's like, oh, we, we finally did it. Uh, we This may, might not have been the way we wanted to do it by being down 10 with, what, uh, a minute to go or something ridiculous. We, we shouldn't even won the game. Um, but uh, to be able to win on the road, go, go into a, a place where we're playing a great team. And um, like you said, we, we weren't really uh, playing our best basketball at the time. Um, but to be able to go on the road and win that, that was something that, you know, none of us will ever forget, um, that ball barely <laughs> not going in no and me, me getting the ball and just chucking it down to the other end of the court, um, as a buzzer went off, like it, it's something that we won't ever forget. And it, it was all our hard, hard work had paid off, um, no matter how it was done, 
uh, you know, it, it was something special for all of us. You, you should have cut down Michigan's nets. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah why didn't why didn't we do that we should have brought some scissors another thing good. that will never be forgotten from that game is a clip that went viral right after the game ended mm-hmm. where coach tom crean walked towards coach uh i believe jeff meyer who was an assistant for beeline who was also yeah. an assistant for uh the arsonist he was an assistant for the arsonist back in the times where uh bloomington was being burned alive and um, said, got into a confrontation with him moments after winning the Big Ten championship where he yelled at him something to the effect of, you killed the program, or you know what you did, you ruined the program. And then Coach Buckley had to separate him and get him away. Do you remember finding out about that moment when you were in the locker room celebrating the win? Did it uh, get the information flow to you at that point, or was it, was it well after? No, I would say it was well after. Um, you know that uh everybody saw the clip and you know but at the time we're all celebrating none of us even knew that that was going on on the court or what was said between the two or whatever um i honestly don't even know what to say about it no worries no worries (laughs) it's uh it's probably not the best look and i mean at that time you know we as a player i definitely didn't know what was going on and like i said i don't know what was said but uh beforehand i have to tell you as a fan that game and what you guys did in that game after kind of the letdown that i'm sure everybody felt about not winning on senior day because yeah we wanted it as fans jordy for you and you know and then christian and the guys that came in in your class to win that big 10 title was so meaningful and when you're an indiana fan i do think that conference championships mean more than most schools in their conference championships there is something very storied about the Big Ten Conference and winning that regular season championship. Exactly, yeah. It, it was one of the all-time great fan moments watching Indiana basketball, seeing you guys fight like hell and win that game. And now we get to the tournament where you cruise through round one as a number one seed. Round two, you play Temple. You get hurt. And you get hurt. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah. was there a chance you might not play in the in the Sweet Sixteen? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I could barely even shoot the basketball. It, it was um very unfortunate. It um you know, I, I did everything I could rehab wise, every doctor I could see. Uh what ended up happening, I tore some of my pec uh minor and had a slight separation in my AC joint in my right shoulder. And, you know, we, we shot it up during the Temple game. I was able to go back in. I think I maybe hit one more shot. But at that point, you know, it was still adrenaline. I, I had just had this shot um, to, you know, <laughs> numb it, I guess. I don't even know what the heck it was. Uh, but I was able to finish that game. And then, you know, the whole next week, I'm like, oh, of all the of all the years to get hurt, of all the times, um, why why now? Why in this game? Why on that stupid play in the Temple game where I just some dude just runs into me and or I run into him and my shoulders I used to be weak for for, for that time so it, it was very unfortunate. Well, this is what you were talking about before. There is so much luck that goes into being able to advance in the tournament. I mean, if you get hurt like that mm-hmm. in week three, then you know, I mean, maybe we're able to cover it. We had a pretty de- pretty good team that year, and you're mm-hmm. healthy for the tournament, and now you're playing Syracuse who is known for the zone, 
and we need outside shooting and our best outside exactly. shooter is just not available to, to go for five. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. but clearly yeah. no fault of it. Yeah, I mean, you looked like you were in pain. You were wearing a brace, right? You were, you had a brace on your shoulder. Right. Yeah. I had a, like a little pad, a little brace, whatever I could do um, to protect it, but also not restrict my shot if I, you know, could, even, but it did, obviously didn't help because Every time I like try to body somebody on defense, if I had to extend it, that's where I felt pain. If I had to shoot, it hurt like lifting it. So it was like I said, it's just very unfortunate. And um, you know, we had our chances in that game. We made some runs, and then um, yeah, there's just yeah. I don't know what else. I've I've never gone back and watched that game, and I don't know if I ever will. But uh, that was a heartbreaker for us right there. Well, one thing I think this is really a point a lot of IU fans look back at the beginning of the end of our love affair with Tom Crean. And and when you go back to your injury, you know, going back to like an Allen Henderson or a Scott May who had untimely injuries on great teams where national titles were expected. If you could speak to the preparation to play that zone, uh, Yogi being a freshman point guard in that situation, you think it's a fair thing for fans to feel like that game was a failure on the coaching staff, or or is it is it something that we should we should have a, a different perspective on? No, I don't think. I mean, I I don't think that would be a, a fair assessment as far as like, you know, you have a week to prepare, you have. Uh, you can't mimic a Syracuse zone with five ten <laughs> walk-ons trying to cover the uh, the whole length of the the half court um, with those kind of things. I, I think it, I mean with anything, it's there's it's not just one thing when you lose a basketball game. Uh, you know, if this guy's hurt or if um, you know we didn't run this play correctly, we couldn't break his own. That's what everybody always says, right? Like we couldn't drop a play to to break his own or finish. You know, over contact, whatever. There's lots of things that we did as players that weren't correct either. You know, we had a, a game plan and it had worked for us all year. So why wouldn't it work for the the last game? Um, so I think it's not exactly a fair assessment to say that. Um, not nobody's perfect. There there are some mistakes here by the coaches, by the players. That's just the game of basketball. That's always going to happen. Um, and I'm not trying to like cop out of the question or anything, no. but that's just how I truly, that's how I truly feel. Uh, I would never place the blame on any, any one thing. I think a lot of things go into it. And uh, my, I mean, you look at Michael Carter Williams, not known as a shooter. I, I think he had hit like four threes that game. He did. And that was part crazy. of it. Yeah. So like a guy who typically doesn't shoot, who we are not daring to shoot, but also are like, all right, well, we'd rather him shoot a three than, you know, CJ fair coming off the screen and, shooting or Christmas or, you know, somebody else getting a shot. So those kind of things play into it as well that maybe uh, the average fan wouldn't necessarily look at. Um, I know Indiana doesn't just have average fans either, though. We also have fans that are very knowledgeable about the game. Uh, but I think there's, you know, there's also those things that you have to think about. Yeah, we're knowledgeable, but we're also irrational. I mean, we are. It's, <laughs> it's why we call ourselves the Hoosier hysterics, because yeah. we're, we're nuts. We're I'm, absolutely I'm, nuts. I'm, I'm more irrational than I am knowledgeable, yes, for, for sure. sure. <laughs> so, uh, well, I, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, and even, it's funny that you say it, because even now I was like, I was a former player even, and even when I watch games, like, oh, what, why, why, like, what? But I know as a player, I make I've made those mistakes a hundred times too. So it's just like I I 
as I'm getting farther away from my playing career at Indiana, I'm getting more and more back to my, you know, when I was a kid and saying like, what the heck are we doing? Like this kind of stuff um, where we're not in the locker room every day with the players or the coaches. We don't know exactly what they're working on. Maybe they have the perfect game plan and we execute it, but the other team was better that day. But that's, that's part of sports. You know, that's just as a, as a professional, that's kind of what I've learned. Like you can only control so much. And if the other team's having a great day, then, um, you know, sometimes it's just how it works. Not always the best team wins. And again, that's why it's called March Madness. If so you, true. This team play, yeah. So, so you graduate. We've talked a little bit about your professional career. Uh, I assume you still follow Indiana basketball, like you just said. You're, you're keeping tabs oh, on the of team. Oh, course. Yeah. I, I yeah. have to ask you what it was like for you, someone who committed to Tom Crean less than sixty days after he got the job. You went through all four years with him as your head coach, I, I would imagine that, that that relationship runs deep. And the uh, screams from the Hoosier nation of time to make a change are now reaching a fever pitch in the years after you leave, several years after you leave. And then finally, mm-hmm. they make the decision to, to move on. What was that like for you, both as a former player, someone with a relationship with Tom, but also as a fan of Indiana basketball? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, uh, as you as you said, you know, I'll, I'll always be so thankful for Coach Crean and the staff there that gave me the opportunity to, you know, pursue pursue that dream of mine. And uh, you know, I wouldn't have changed it for anything in the world. We we sucked for the first two years, but the last two years it was all worth it. And I learned so many life lessons from the coaches and from just going through those kind of things. So I think for me, obviously, I was torn. Um, you know, it's hard to see someone that, like you said, that I've I've known for a long time and um, who has, you know, been there for my wedding, you know, uh, seen my, my first, my first son, um, that you, you draw that connection with, but also, um, you know, the, the state of Indiana basketball is, it, there's a lot of pressure that comes along with being that coach. And, you know, if, if things aren't going the way that, uh, you know, the wins, um, you know, those kind of things, you, there, a change needs to be made. And that, that's, that's what uh, happened. And, um, you know, I, I'll, like I said, I'll always be loyal to Coach Cream. But uh, after, you know, it all happened, send him my, my best regards and, you know, hope everything works out for him. And uh, but now, you know, Coach Miller comes in and uh, I also want to I'll be loyal to the, the program as well. And, uh, you know, I think he's doing a great job of, uh, you know, getting Indiana kids and uh, doing all those things that um, the, that we want as Indiana fans, obviously, as well. But doesn't have to be I'm not saying always from Indiana but it's great to see these in-state recruits come and you get these great players from everyone else and just the style of play and, and, and those kind of things and trying to get things done um, I, I you know it's, it's exciting to see uh, obviously we're struggling a little bit right now though uh, which is always hard to hard to see as well well with that you came in in coach Crean's second year it didn't go mm-hmm. great this is Archie's second year it's not going great. What what can you tell us, the fans, good or bad, but in general, you know, what's your perspective on what it's going to take? Because, look, two years later, you guys, three years later, you guys were the number one team in the country. Are you seeing stuff in there with, with you mentioned recruiting, maybe on the floor, what's going on on the court or otherwise that can give us all hope that Archie could have the same kind of turnaround in a similar time frame? For sure. And, and, and like I said, even when we were playing for Coach Crean, um, you know, you always hear 
you know, negative talk, whether it's more so the negative talk, right? But what's crazy as fans, we aren't in the gym with the coaches and the players. Like, we don't know how hard we, we, we just don't know how hard they're working. And, you know, they are for sure putting in the work. They're for sure doing these things. Of course, you know, we all want them to hit free throws. We all want them to hit, hit three point shots. You, yeah, you need to um, you need to Skype in with those guys and give them some pointers, or or have Jackson like, show them. <laughs> like, of course, those are the things that we all as fans really want, right? Uh, but I, it's not like they aren't working on those things. Of course, they're scholarship players. Like you think that's how it should be, but it, it, it's tough. It, it, we're not in there with them. We don't know, um, you know the ins and outs of what's going on every day in that locker room. Um, as far as, you know, we just got to trust that we got the right guy for the job. Do you we think got the so? players that we need? Do you think so? No, I, I believe so. I believe okay. so. I, you know, um, I live in Bloomington in, in the off season and, you know, he's, he's been more than welcoming to me uh, to come in and, and shoot or watch the workouts, whatever it is. You know, I, and what's crazy, we just signed a guy on my team, Devin Oliver, who played for coach uh, Miller at Dayton. So it's kind of, you know, he just got here a couple of days ago, but it's cool to like, just kind of, you know, see how it was to play for him. And, that, and that's going to give me a, a better idea. You know, I, you love the way his Dayton teams played. They made that elite eight run, um, all those kind of things. Um, but going back to it, yeah, I definitely do believe so. And um, as a, as a fan, we just have to trust that, you know, that that's what, that's what they're there to do. They're there to succeed. They're there to, you know, there's going to be ups and downs. Like you said, this is his second year, so he he's still got time. He's still he's still getting these kids recruit uh, recruited and to sign and you know committed. I mean, um, all those kind of things, and I think that's exciting to see. Uh, but as fans, it's also hard to not see some of the results. But luck again always comes back to injuries. Those kind of things that that play huge factors in as well. McRoberts has been hurt. Rob gets hurt. A guy who who's super solid for us at the the point guard position. Uh, I think Al's playing is playing good basketball right now too, um, but injuries play a huge factor for us, and it's hard to get a rhythm with guys who maybe weren't in the rotation early on, um, and now have to kind of do more than what they're used to, or, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I think as fans, we have to kind of think about those things as well. We've been hurt. Uh, I'm more, I'm more, as you can tell, I'm more of an optimistic, positive kind of guy, uh, but I think we have to give the more benefit of the doubt we got one of the best players in the country in Romeo um we just you know once we start hitting shots and uh hitting free throws and you know getting stopped you know I think the wins are coming because we, we, we've shown that we can do it right we've beaten really good teams this year um so hope we can just get back on track and uh you know get over that hump uh, to end the season I think I'm going to take this section of the podcast and just put it on a loop and help me go to sleep at night just majority <laughs> being positive uh I do- it's, it's very it's very tough. It's very it tough. But that's just the mindset I have. And I, I, as a player being there under that kind of, that kind of pressure, I guess, uh, playing there the first two years, didn't expect much. But then afterwards, it's, these guys are putting in the work. I know they are just as we were at IU and even that we weren't winning, you know, um, this team is far more talented than uh, we were with my first uh, two years probably, but it's, um, I think we just got to be patient and, I know that's not easy for us. I'm not a patient person either, but uh, I think 
I think I think that that that's that's the goal. One more question before we uh, uh, don't take up any more of your time, which we really appreciate. <laughs> Um, you no touched problem. you touched on this a little bit, but I think it's a really important thing for us as fans and the fan base in general. We've talked to a lot of guys over the last uh, month and a half, former players like AJ Guyton, like AJ Moye, Jared Jeffries, Calbert Cheney, even. And one thing that they talked about is that there wasn't always, and we don't need to get into specifics here, but that there has not always been an atmosphere around Indiana basketball where the former players feel welcome even when it's a different regime, if you will, than the one that they played for, and how important it is for Indiana basketball to have former players feel like they are still part of the family. You mm-hmm. obviously, uh, you touched on this a little bit, but you played for a different regime than is in place now. How do you feel the connection to former players is from a personal experience and anything anecdotally that you've heard from your uh, friends? Yeah, I mean... I the guys that you just mentioned, I'm obviously a little younger and I haven't seen as many coaching changes or, you know, um, or anything like that. But from my experience, uh, it's been a great um, it's been it's been really good. Uh, it helps that, you know, one of my best friends in the world, my college roommate, Derek Ellison, is on staff there. So I have that connection automatically. Uh, Ed Schilling, I've known for a long time. And then so that that, that definitely helps me just. You know, I feel comfortable going in. Coach Miller has made me feel welcome from day one. Um, and I think that is a huge thing, uh, especially at a place like Indiana, when you have all these former great players. You mentioned Calvert. Like, I loved having Calvert um, at, on on staff when I was playing. Like, I learned so much from him, and I was able to hang out with him a little bit this past summer and just pick his brain and those kind of things. But I think as former players, we, we kind of have this, this bond, this brotherhood, that if we can all connect in – in some way, somehow to the, the current team, we would love to do that. And I think um, it's very important. And, and, you know, when I was a player, we did have these golf outings and stuff like that. Um, and that's something that, uh, at least with Coach Miller last year in the summer, we did that as well. We had a, a cool golf outing, French Lick, and we did all these cool things. And, um, and it was great to see all the, these former former guys from national championship teams from even before that and after that, it, uh, I think I want to say from almost every every decade was represented there. So that, that was something that was cool um, to see. And I, I think that's more than important. And I, unfortunately for me, since I play overseas and I'm over here, you know, nine, 10, 11 months out of the year, I, I don't get to come back and see any games really or be around the guys as much uh, during the season. But in the off season, since I live there, I try and go in. Uh, I'd like to go in more this summer. Uh, last summer was a little crazy uh, as far as getting in there more often, but I was in there a couple of times. But if I could do that and just be around the program, I think former players would like to do that as well. Um, and like I said, Coach Miller, for, from my experiences and with me, has been more than more than uh, welcoming for me. And being that from Bloomington, that, that's a that's a huge, huge uh, thing um, just because I, I love Indiana so much. It's all I've ever known. Uh, so – if other guys, I don't know how other guys feel, or I can't really touch on anybody else just because, um, you know, I, I haven't really talked to anybody about that, to be honest with well, you. You're, but, you are, uh, you're echoing a lot of what we've heard about Archie and the staff yeah. that, that people do feel yeah. like there is much more of a connection. And, and, and I think everybody from these guys we've talked to, we want to make it, they want to make it, the fans want to make it one big 
happy family again. And I think especially with the fracture from the night era and then the stuff that happened since that there's this sort of desire for everybody to just come back together. And I think some sustained Mm -hmm. success would really help that everybody wants to come back be around the atmosphere but you know with with guys like yourself and all these guys we've talked to you're all such great dudes who played played at IU with heart and all the right reasons and that we just love to see it all be one going all the way back to like slick Leonard you know there's this incredible tradition of guys who are still around that the more you can all get back there and connect those eras I feel like it's it's just going to help the program as a whole going forward when you see the other top programs like North Carolina and Duke have this long sustained history of, of, of guys being back there and on the bench. So, so we've taken up too much of your time already. Is, is it like, no, you're, it, this was a lot of fun for me. No, it was okay. good. And I, I have to tell you, Jordy, you know, we often hear the phrase, we need some Indiana kids. We need Indiana kids. And and on a straight factual basis, that means go out and get kids that grew up in the state of Indiana. But I have always thought that it means more than that. I think we've had plenty of guys mm-hmm. play at Indiana. 100%. That are, 100%. I, I would ex- like use as an example, A.J. Moye grew up in Atlanta, mm-hmm. like as he put it, in the hood of Atlanta. He's an Indiana kid, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And I will say, Jordy, you embody not just the geographical part of being an Indiana kid, but all the values that come with being an Indiana kid. It was such a pleasure to watch you play basketball for us for four years and lead the program back to the level that we all want it to be and to do it the right way. It is an honor to talk to you. And uh, and I love that Warden, I can call you Jordy. Yes. <laughs> well, no, I really appreciate it. I, I... Just to touch, I, I really think that was a great uh, point you just said. Because you think of guys like Will Sheehy and Vic. Um, Indiana yeah, kids. I, I, They're that, Indiana kids. I mean, kids. exactly. I don't want to sound, um, yeah. No, like they I are. just talking about Indiana I, kids, yeah. I, it's one of the things that drives me nuts about the fan base. When, Morgan when they, now. Morgan yeah, now. Yeah, Juwan Morgan is an Indiana Exactly, kid. yeah. 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 And, and, and I mean, of course, it's great seeing the best in-state kids um, or, you know, guys who play the right way who come to Indiana who are from, yeah, of course, us as Indiana people, we love that. But your point is fantastic. Like that, that, I'm so happy you said that because I didn't want to sound like that's all I meant. Because some of my, the, some of the best players who ever played in Indiana aren't from Indiana, you know. So it, it's kind of it's totally. kind of um, it, it's cool that you said that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I will say, I think that Archie Miller is an Indiana kid. I mean, I do. I think the way that he goes about his business, how he grinds it out the commitment to work ethic, to the commitment to wanting to mm-hmm. play the game the right way. He seems like an Indiana guy. So uh, as long as people like Jordan Hulls continue to come through the program <laughs> and, and stay a part of it, we're going to be fine. So, Jordy, thanks oh, so much. That. Good luck to your wife for your second baby. We're excited. Is it a boy or a girl? We are waiting to find out. It's going to be one of life's true surprises. Good for you. We're uh, not sure. Good for you. You are welcome to yeah. use Eric Ward or Ward Eric as the name for a boy. <laughs> or a girl. Or a girl. We don't I care. think even better as unusual as a girl. That would be unique. That would be good. <laughs> yes. She might um, hate us later on, but. Well, good luck Good luck to you guys. Uh, hopefully uh, we get to meet you face-to-face maybe in Bloomington or in Germany one day. Who knows? I would I would love that. Just uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on and um, anytime, really. I, I really enjoyed it. Auf saying. Auf Good Nacht. <laughs> Good Nacht, mein Freund. <laughs> Take care, Jordan. Perfect. Uh, cheers. Bye-bye. 
that was it, right? Are we still recording? We're or still did... recording. Oh, okay. Okay, great. Hopefully it recorded. Yeah. we uh, Just a little behind the scenes, during that podcast, our little audio mixer started doing weird things. The recording light is still on. It kept it kept telling us it was recording, but we'll find out here shortly. Can I just say, just to wrap up with Jordy, I mean, what just an earnest, good dude, right? Like, yep. no BS, just... He's just a good guy who who I'm just proud to be able to call a Hoosier, right? Well, and I think it's like you see a guy who's so unselfish and smart on the floor and how that translates to who they really are in real life. And you get longer glimpses at senior night or a longer press conference afterwards. But we're so lucky to get to talk to these guys for so long and be like, yep, yep, Jordy's like we thought we'd, he would be a good, good dude. Uh, but thank you all for listening. You're good dudes and dudettes for for going through such epic interviews with us. But if you're still listening, you're like us and you just can't get enough. We could have kept going. We've talked about editing it, but this is like a dream come true for Ward and I to be able to sit here and talk to these guys. The truth is to only talk to them for 90 minutes feels like we're shortchanging ourselves because we could just ask them about any bit of minutia about Indiana basketball that, that you could think of. And I'm sure you all are thinking to yourself you'd ask other questions, uh, which we'd be happy to ask for future guests. So please make sure you follow us on Twitter at, at Hoosier Hysterics, but there's no vowels in hysterics uh, in that. Email us at uh, Hoosier Hysterics at gmail.com, spelled correctly. We have more of these coming up and some more uh, of just Ward and I going nuts and being hysterical about Indiana basketball. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.